Welcome to DBAX Podcast. The future. Technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk DBAX baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it, A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball! From Salt River Field to Talking Stick, the jewel of the Cactus League, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona. The edition of D-Backs Podcast is on the air, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our 28th D-Backs Podcast. It is Season 2. Episode three. We did a couple of shows at the tail end of 2015 around the winter meetings, but they were re- good ones too. They were solid, outstanding. But really, boys, this in one sense is the opening show of our second season of D-backs podcast, and uh, here we are. It's Start exciting. To, nice job containing your enthusiasm. <laughs> we, we're going to pace ourselves. This, <laughs> Don't peak uh, this too season. early. Yeah. Don't peak too early. Our first show of the 2016 calendar after the holiday break, and uh, what a year this promises to be! It's we record at the D-Back Spring Training Facility here on Tuesday, the 12th of January. Uh, Leo has us in the in the dining room with his equipment plugged into a toaster. From the bathroom to the dining yeah, room. There's no food out there. Yeah, they're really moving up. No room that I will not try. <laughs> this is the room where the players eat here. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, they are yeah. here working out, most of them actually, unofficially. Yeah. They have eight tables. Yeah. Four they have some out they on can the see 32. Too. You got some us a nice table, patio. I'll say that. I had to pull some strings. <laughs> we got we got a nice view. And we do have to wash dishes afterwards, but we we manage a view of the whole facility. Guys are here, so things are not quite buzzing, but they're sort of getting back into the swing of things here uh, in Scottsdale. College football mercifully over after the game in Glendale last night, which was a terrific. It game. It was a good game. It lived up to the hype. It sure did. It was yeah, it was a really good game. Uh, the NFL is already one round into its playoff bracket, so baseball guys at long last right around the corner. It's almost that time. Who won the fantasy football league this year? Oh, yeah. wow. How many, it took you one minute and 44 <laughs> seconds to get that in. <laughs> Your first year doing the fantasy league in a well, while. Well, first year, yeah, back. Uh, our commissioner, Tom Candiotti. Uh, there might be some uh, malfeasance going on there. No, oh, don't think there's so. always malfeasance going yeah. on with Candy. I don't know if it affected the outcome. <laughs> Was it rigged? Because I finished, I finished middle of the pack. There's absolutely Listen, malfeasance. I had Hightower in my backfield, and I had to win it. the waiver wire. Yeah. I'm Steve Berthume, joined as always on D-Backs Podcast. By the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, his other title, more apropos perhaps, uh, given that Downton Abbey is also back, Leo, for its oh new boy. season. Uh, always a highlight at our house as we follow the bumpy wedding plans of the delightful Mr. Carson and Mrs. Hughes. Oh, such a lovely couple. <laughs> Please welcome the Earl of Grantham, uh, the patriarch of our Crawley podcast family. He's been the Diamondbacks <laughs> play-by-play voice since day one. It's the governor, Greg Schulte. Thank you. What happens when Downtown Abbey is done? I, I, by the way, I thought it was Downtown Abbey. It's downtown. It's Downton. Yeah. Down- yeah, but the first downtown. two years. Yeah, uh, I did too. I think everybody did. Downtown no Abbey. Then I, then it's I, not Downtown Abbey. I thought that's what it was. Then I started watching with the wife, and yeah. it's one of our favorite shows. What is Downton? Is that a name it's of downtown. a city? No, it's the name of the Abbey. Oh. Hence the title, what Downton is the Abbey? Abbey. What is an Abbey? A city? A town? Uh, good to see 2016 <laughs> off to a rollicking start. Also on the program, the man who, along with the multi-talented Jared Carlin, uh, oversaw the remixing of some of our audio cuts, introductions, and so forth. We've spruced them up a bit, just yeah. a smidge for 2016. More Jared than me, but yeah. Many thanks again to Jared. 
he has also been here, Leo, booking some of the guests. Uh, so much expected for the man known here as the uh, Mother of Dragons, the Kingslayer. Our producer, engineer, man about town. He's actually managed to avoid the umpire's locker room where last year you were set up in the men's room sink. I, I actually grew fond of that spot. I, I, well, that's, Are we going back there this year? Oh, no eh, way. I wouldn't count it out. <laughs> last year we set up in the umpire's dressing room here just down yeah. the hall, and Leo had his equipment literally – you were up on the sink between the, the <laughs> stalls and the sink. I was using there. everything available. Now we're in the kitchen with you plugged into a toaster. It's Leo, bad news, Gil Martin. Yay. I don't have a, a Downton Abbey uh, – uh, Usually you can bad news when bars. I assign you a Remember your bad news bar. I like bars. bad news bar. I'm, yeah. I'm good with it. I just wasn't sure. I, which, I could see you as a which, Mr. Carson which type. Which doesn't matter because I have no idea who any of those people are. I don't either. You guys are missing a great show. It's the final season of Downton Abbey, by oh. the way. So uh, It's hip, a little hip. too late to get on board. Hip, hip. Our guests on this uh, episode 28, the first show of 2016. And we have gone right to the top here, Leo. I like what you've done here. Diamondbacks president and CEO Derek Hall will sit down with us. And with Derek, we'll talk big picture stuff because he has so much responsibility here shaping the long-term direction of this franchise. Clearly, things are pointed exactly where you want them to go. So we'll talk about that vision, what's involved, big picture goals, and other things with the D-backs president and CEO. It's also here this week, Fantasy Camp, oh, yeah. which started yesterday That's on so Monday. Fun. And all the guys are here. We just saw Mark Grace walk by in his uh, purple and teal stripes. And yeah, let's see uh, some of the Gracie, Gonzo, uh, the Mo Man, Mo Man, Greg Swindell, uh, Robbie Hammond, Stephen Randolph, Stephen Randolph, uh, Ruby Durazo is part of it. Uh, Durazo is now a member of the organization yeah, again. Yeah, guys Durazo's are here. Now. Guys are here. So, yeah, uh, in camp. They have such a fun time doing that. So we'll have a, we'll try and get a mystery guest later in the show uh, from Fantasy Camp. Gubb has just shown me a text reporting Gerardo Parra is going to the Rockies. How about that? I don't know what the Rockies are doing, man. <laughs> I, I don't look. If he can get money, God bless him. I yeah. hope he does because he's earned it, and that's his big contract, Gerardo yeah. Parra. But live uh, late breaking, you got to take the money. But uh, boy, well, they got room now. They're going to trade somebody now, Blackman or Cargo, yeah, no, Cargo or maybe even uh, the other kid. Gubb was hurt last year. Culberson? Yeah, no. Dickerson. D uh, D yeah, Dickerson. I like Dickerson. I like have Dickerson. the numbers? He's a good player. Hmm? Uh, did the tweet no. have the numbers? No, no it just came in. Uh, anyway, so that stuff is still going on. There's a lot of guys still out there. We'll yeah. talk about that. Howie Kendrick is the name that's interesting. Uh, we'll take a look at the D-backs history of blockbuster deals. We've had a couple last month here. I don't know if you heard. Uh, <laughs> we'll hear from the Earl of Grantham, a brand-new edition of Hey Gubna. And uh, brace yourselves, boys. Sabermetric Smackdown is back. Yes. That's, that's As we look at the zips get for the 2016. I said I was not coming back unless we let off with the Smackdown. I thought that was big of season. Uh, we'll take a look at the predictive numbers that were run through some of the computers, tell you what the computer says. Guys like Goldie and A.J. Pollock and Zach Rinke will do. Are we going to agree with them? Uh, some you will agree with, some you will not. Okay. Nor will I. That's what makes okay. it interesting. Uh, a few business items here. Uh, I have received some questions on the Twitter about Mike Farron. Mm -hmm. Well, I've had questions about Mike <laughs> Farron for years. But uh, <laughs> Mike is one of the absolute best talents in the industry, a longtime show host on MLB's Sirius XM Baseball Channel. Uh, he has, uh, this is not news, has joined our D-backs broadcast family on the radio side. He will be Which is a us. tremendous hire. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, Mike. He's going to be outstanding. So we haven't really acknowledged that on the podcast. We got sort of we'll behind. There was a clerical error 
uh, that Leo made. But anyway, we're <laughs> I just made that up. Uh, Mike will be joining Diamondbacks pre and post game show broadcast beginning this season. He'll host that on the radio side. He'll do some play by play when the Gub is cruising around. Uh, where and, where and are no, the cruises this no, year? No cruising. No cruising. No cruising. All right. And don't forget yes. what else he'll be part of. Well, I was just going to get to that, the Diamond Talk slash Snake Talk no, program. see, we can finally put to, to rest the Snake Talk, which it's all Diamond it's Talk. It's growing. Oh, yeah. Put to rest? Yeah. Uh, Leo, it's a groundswell. We'll see where Farron weighs in on that. And we'll see if he's a company man or if he can think for himself. Or <laughs> will you influence him? That's what it depends I'm Depends on what, who he about. sees as the company, if you <laughs> influence him. We are thrilled to have an all-serious Mike joining us. He is vacationing. How about this in Australia? He and his wife, Erica, are down there, Very down nice. under, as they say. We were there a couple of years ago. We can maybe encourage him to download this on the uh, epic long flight home. And listen to it 17 <laughs> times on, yes. the, on the flight each way. Well, actually, the way we go, it might be two or three times. That's but, true. Yeah. These off-season shows get a little bulky, but we'll trim them down. But uh, after they go to Australia, they got to move out here. So Mike has got a lot on his plate here in January. So uh, we are officially welcoming him, and I'm sure we'll hear him on the podcast uh, a lot beginning later this spring. Also, I uh, want to mention a change to be aware of this spring since we're here at Salt River. 2016, first year, guys, of the Diamondbacks' new TV contract with Fox Sports Arizona. Very big. That means beginning this season, the Diamondbacks will have every single regular season game televised. The new contract allows us to televise all 162 during the regular season. I'm more interested in seeing how many spring training games you're going to do. I'm getting to yeah. that. I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up. It's outstanding for our <laughs> fans, but... Better that we don't have on those days when you aren't broadcasting. We don't have you grumpy in the Me back, in the of, back of the booth because I'm not doing the game. I so hate it's sitting there. I would rather be doing the ball game. It is absolutely outstanding <laughs> for our fans. You know me, man. I'd rather be doing the game than sitting there watching it. But uh, the new contract, we can do all the games. We used to have 10 or 12 that went dark a year. But those days are over. Every game now on TV. You won't do game one. You'll do 161 because one of the games is on national this yeah. year. Right. Well, I'm <laughs> point being that every single – I won't like that day either. Point being <laughs> that every game will be on TV. Now, the reason I bring this up is the new contract also means we can increase the number of spring training games that are on TV. To all 36? No, not quite, <laughs> although I'm still trying to get Leo to do Megacast, uh, where we do both games of a split-squad doubleheader day-night. Only oh. sounds good on paper. Oh. Uh, in the past, we've televised only three spring training games. Starting in March this year, we will televise ten. So we go from three to ten on the TV side in spring. I hope you do all seven in the first week and a half. <laughs> no, <laughs> With thanks. 48 guys playing. <laughs> Number 98 <laughs> is playing right field, and a minute ago he was playing shortstop. Uh, That'll yeah. test your... War with all. Oh, that, that's tough. You got it. That that is when it's the hardest to do. That's to when you do just, your book. Yeah, you do, well, you don't even keep score. Yeah, you got to punt <laughs> on some of those yeah. games. So, uh, some dates. Always great to be I, here. I would. I would like to again. You, yeah. you TV guys. Always we're we're going to be working too, aren't we, Leo? I yeah, brushed I right by yeah. the radio side. <laughs> yeah, uh, I tried that. anyway. Go figure. What that. is your schedule for the spring? Well, we will do eleven games on radio, per <sighs> usual. Eleven, not ten. Eleven. <laughs> Um, what is a spinal tap? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're taking it to eleven. How many webcasts we're going to do, Leo? Yeah, we actually this year we're down to eight. Eight. So the way 19. the schedule breaks down. So you got eleven radio so, games yep. and eight webcasts. Yep. And uh, Farron will be involved. Mike in that. Farron yes, will be involved heavily on those webcasts and uh, and just you know just so you you know just so people know it's it's still the radio still uh, still a viable part of this uh, of the franchise and. I, and I think this also has raised, Leo, your profile to a national level. Because I came here from ESPN, 
Mike is coming here from Sirius XM. Uh, so you've got some national guys that want to be here, be part of this. I, I think, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. I think that you have now gained your own somewhat national presence out there. People are now aware of you, I, thanks I, to the podcast. I, there's a lot of people that are probably not very happy about that, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I can I can feel the, my Q rating rising through the roof as, as we go. It's going up, <laughs> up, 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 up. <laughs> uh, boy, we, I, in all seriousness, we are so lucky to be able to call Salt River Fields a talking stick, our spring training home. This is the best facility in the game, bar none. We hear that from so many people, and uh, it's the D-backs' sixth spring training here at Salt River Man. Fields. Wow. My fourth. Remember those trucks down to Tucson, Leo? We used to complain about those, but uh, now when you went to Tucson, would you stay down there for weeks at a time? Well, early on, we did. You know, we'd go down there and we'd spend a week or so, come back for a few days, and go on and so forth. But then it it got to be almost to the point where the when the games start, usually we spent more time there uh, before they started playing ball games. Yeah, you know the spring games, and then uh, we'd go down for the weekend because we did Friday and Saturday games. We'd spend uh, usually Thursday night, Friday night, sometimes Saturday night, and then uh, come back. They had a lot of games in the Valley. But the problem was playing games down there, and the, the Rockies ran into it and the White Sox ran into it. Um, you couldn't get the major players from other teams to make the trip down yeah. to play your ball club. So, you know, you wouldn't get – maybe out of a starting line, regular starting line, you had maybe one or two players yeah, that they would play. Have, and they, they supposedly, you know, there's rules about yeah. – yeah, you gotta you know, have so many, many guys. So yeah. many major leaguers on there, but they always got around it. And uh, you know, Tucson treated looks great. They were great. It was a great but facility. It just, it at just the got time. to the point, especially when the Rockies uh, or when the White Sox took off. It, it but just had to happen. It's just such it a great down. point about the Cactus League and fans yeah. who want to make plans oh. to come out here. I mean, every ballpark, the farthest drive you're going to go is about 30 minutes yeah. from one yeah. end of the valley. It's to the funny. Other. We, we complain about that. And, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and oh, I got to go to surprise. There are teams in in Florida that don't even see other teams you know, from the from the the Atlantic coast to the Gulf Coast. A lot of times they don't play one. If another. you're a fan who has made a spring training trip, and a lot of fans mm-hmm. do, and you've gone to Florida, you know it's a two hour drive between parks. You mm-hmm. get there suddenly, there's a thunderstorm and there's bugs, and you're out here in the in the Cactus League. It is baseball paradise. Yep. It is absolute paradise. So I have some dates for the listeners. Uh, and, boy, this is a great place to come because this facility was built, including the backfields yep. and everything, yep. designed for fan access. And I have a feeling this year it's really going to be crowded. Oh, yeah, you bet. But it's just for viewing and access, it's terrific. First official workout day, that's when pitchers and catchers report. Uh, February 17th, workouts are open to the public. So that's the big day, February 17th. You can come on down, park, and walk right up, watch them throw, workout, bullpen mounds, the whole thing. Position players are due to report February 22nd. That's the following Monday. And then the first full squad workout Tuesday, February 23rd. And the spring game schedule opens up March 1st. Just a little over a month away. That's uh, the following Tuesday exhibition game against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3-10 starting afternoon for the U of A game. That's the annual D-backs collegiate series with Arizona. Arizona State and Grand Canyon played ASU last year. So Chip will be and managing think- against his yeah. old U of A team. Yep. Should be fun. Yeah, and that's oh, a great it? idea. Yeah. Time. Really yeah. good idea. Really good idea. Terrific. Uh, we look ahead to the spring, guys. D-backs 40-man roster right at 40 players. And the team announced, uh, actually it was yesterday, that it will have a total of 63 players here in camp, including 23 non-roster invitees. 
which is always interesting to sort of look down the list and see, oh, guy got an invite to spring training. Yeah, there's always a few names that you'll recognize say, oh, geez. I picked out four that, okay. that jumped out at me, and I wanted to find out what you guys think. And also the fans who might not be aware should know about these guys as well. 23 non-roster invitees. Here's one. Kyle Drabeck. Mm-hmm. Doug Drabeck's son, uh, former number one pick, and uh, used to be with Toronto and – he was the Phillies' first-round yeah. pick in 06. Yeah. They traded him to Toronto in the yeah, Roy Halladay deal. Yep. Uh, and, of course, his dad, uh, Kyle, won a Cy Young and has been at Hillsboro. Yes, Doug, Doug will be. I think he's going to Mobile this year. I think I read that. He'll be working with uh, Robbie Hammock. But Kyle Drabeck, uh, five seasons in Toronto, had Tommy John surgery. Actually, his second Tommy John surgery. To give his age? Yes. Uh, he turned 28 last month. Still so he's only old. 28. Yeah, it's not old. Spent last year in the White Sox system, made only three appearances in the big leagues as a reliever. Uh, 24 starts. This was interesting. 24 starts for Kyle Drabeck last year. The White Sox AAA team in Charlotte had a 3-4-7 ERA. So it could be a guy to mm-hmm. keep on your radar. And, you know. Well, he's got that pedigree. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so that's a guy that you think you roll the dice on and. And you if get you him into it, the system. Yeah. And at some point, you know, yeah. if he's not making the club out of camp, June, yeah. July, August, you need a, a guy, call mm-hmm. him up. Here you go. Another name that will be familiar to Diamondback fans who will be in camp here this year, Tim Stauffer, mm-hmm. 33. Yeah. He was Padres opening day starter not too long ago. Turns 34 years old in June. He was the fourth overall pick in the 03 draft out yeah. of Richmond. And, Minnesota uh, last year. Nine seasons with the Padres prior to last season, signed as a free agent with the Twins. They released him in June, got picked up by the Mets, did not appear in the postseason, only five games with New York. But uh, a veteran guy, bring him into camp, mm-hmm. you never know. Oh. So he'll be here. Uh, this is where it gets really interesting. This is one that everyone's going to talk about because there's so many comps here with David Peralta. Uh, a couple of left-hand pitchers who report to camp this year, Adam Lowen. Now, Adam Lowen, a big guy, 6'6", lefty, like Tim Stauffer, a fourth overall pick in the draft. That was 0-2 by the Orioles. Uh, pitched, in fact, at the same Florida Junior College that Patrick Corbin was at. That's Chipola. Uh, First-round pick, fourth overall. Parts of three seasons in Baltimore, so he's a, obviously a highly sought-after prospect, a big pick. They bring him up, and it just never worked for him as a pitcher in Baltimore. Had a stress fracture in his pitching elbow. Last big league mound appearance for Adam Lowen with the Orioles came in 2008. And with the injury, it looked like his pitching days were over, so he converted into an outfielder. And he became an outfielder. Uh, Did make it back to the big leagues as an outfielder with Toronto in 2011. Only had 37 plate appearances. But then, looks like he's done there. That's not working out. He goes back to pitching, so he's a pitcher again. Returns to the mound in the Philly system, and last year, Working as a lefty specialist out of the bullpen, Adam Lowen, 40 appearances with AA Reading, AAA Lehigh Valley, had an ERA of 2.01, was throwing 95, scoreless outings in 21 of 22 minor league appearances. Or his walks, did he have walks or anything like that in innings? Uh, there was, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, the numbers in the minors were fantastic. Phillies finally called him up, had some control issues, 17 walks in 19 innings. Did we face him? We might have. Seems to me like we might have faced him briefly. I think you're right. I think we did. I think he might have gotten into a game. I'd have to look it up. But it's amazing how it's it's a baseball story that yeah. is close to equaling David Peralta's. Mm-hmm. Only he's gotten pitcher, outfielder, back to pitcher. Yeah. He's 31. He'll be 32 in April. So 
And a he's big, still not uh, old. Hey, you bring in a big he's lefty a left who handed. throws 95. Yeah, he's a left-handed. Let's take a look, right? This was uh, actually yesterday. Wesley Wright. A lefty veteran signed by the Diamondbacks. Minor league invite. Few he, was weeks away from his he was Tony Sip before Tony Sip got to Houston. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and Tony Sip just got a three-year deal. How yeah. about that? Yeah, how about uh, that? Yeah, Wesley Wright, most familiar as a Houston Astros. Six seasons with the Astros. He has also pitched for the Rays, the Cubs, the Orioles, and the Angels. Uh, last season, only 11 big league appearances for Wesley Wright with Baltimore and Anaheim. He missed more than three months with a shoulder strain. But this is a guy who could factor Gubb into that bullpen situation at the big league level coming out of camp. Take a peek. Yeah, Take so that's peek. what they're doing. Remember, new pitching coach this year, too. Maybe he's worked with a few of these guys you don't know. Mike Butcher. Yeah. yeah. Must have worked with him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of other notes to pass along. Talking about uh, off-season moves, obviously there's still time to go get guys. This came out today. It's an article by Lyle Spencer at MLB.com with some quotes from Howie Kendrick, which I thought were interesting. Howie Kendrick asked specifically about the Diamondbacks. He lives here in the Valley. Howie Kendrick on the D-backs, quote, a really good fit for what I'm looking for in a team. You look at the Diamondbacks, they have a lot of good players who play the game the right way. They have a lot of pieces. I think I can bring a lot to any team. That's Howie Kendrick. He's their Uh, type of player, but it just becomes a point of, do you want to give up another first-round pick? And I don't think they do. Uh, there are two big issues with Howie Kendrick. Yeah, the money. Well, yeah, three. Yeah. The money. Although, how old is he? 30, 32? Two. It's here someplace. Early, early to mid-30s. I'm going to say 32. Yeah, about 32. Um, here's the thing. You're gonna. He would probably want a multi-year deal. Yeah. He might do a two-year deal. Let's guess. Two, two for 22, something like that. Just a total guess. It might. That's what it might take to get him. But as you said, the Dodgers are owed a draft pick, so you'd have to give up a pick. Mm-hmm. And the Diamondbacks right now, Gub, offensively are very right-handed. Yeah, Howie Kendrick's a right-hand hitter. Uh, th- there's a, some imbalance there. So there are a lot of drawbacks to going to get Howie Kendrick. There are and there aren't. I, I look at Howie Kendrick as a guy. Um, he makes contact, doesn't strike out. Uh, he'd be an ideal number two hitter. I mean, you could plug him in right now behind A.J. and really be be set. Uh but, again, I sure don't want to give up another first-round pick. It's like 37 right now, and that could even go down, yeah, right? Because they've already given up one to get Granky. Yeah. If you think about the first-round picks, they traded Tukey. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back years. Yeah, they, they traded Tukey. They traded Blair, who's a first-round pick. But, I mean, back-to-back with Tukey and Swanson. Back-to-back yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Tukey gone. You give up the Blair. You mm-hmm. trade Blair. You trade Swanson, you lose a pick for Granky. That's four number one picks mm-hmm. that they've lost. So, giving up another one at this point to get Howie Kendrick is a that's a big yeah. ask. That's yeah. a big ask. It's four number one picks that have gone by the boards here. But the bottom line is, I think we we both would agree that Howie Kendrick could be a great fit for this ball. Howie Kendrick killed us. He killed us last year. He's, I mean, you all know, a career he did two seventy five, two ninety three hitter. But he's so clutch, mm-hmm. and all he does is just hit line drive to right center field in big spots. Mm-hmm. Home runs, he had a bunch of home runs against us, four or five. Uh, a lot of people are asking him why not Howie Kendrick. He did some home runs in our ballpark, too. Oh, sure. You don't want to give up the pick. He's a right-hand hitter for a team that's already right-hand heavy, and he's going to cost you eh, somewhere between yeah. 20 and $25 million. Probably not going to happen. Buster only at ESPN.com, our good friend, a friend of the pod, as they say. Uh, came out with his list uh, at ESPN.com. Uh, Major League Baseball's top ten rotations. 
Where do you think Buster ranked the Diamondbacks? Well, I know because I saw the article. He's got number one. I think he got number one right, the Mets. He Who had, was number two? He had the Mets one. Yeah, who's two? Cleveland. Cleveland surprised me a little bit, but when you look at their young talent. Corey Kluber, Carlos yeah. Carrasco, Danny Salazar, Trevor Bauer, who's up and down. See, four and five don't Cody Anderson me. and Josh Tomlin. I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm I mean, with you. I, I don't know if they're number two to me. Where, where were the Giants and Dodgers? They were a lot of the pe- You know what a lot of people are saying about the Indians? They're this year's Mets. Mm-hmm. which is a good comp, a team that doesn't have a ton that excites you offensively but has a lot of really good young starting Who's going to play the outfield for them? Brantley's going to be out till at least midseason. Yeah, they need to make a move. They never mm-hmm. did get a bat. I think they got Napoli to play first, but they need some outfield Yeah, offense. they need some help offensively. But anyway. Can't shut everybody out. Buster had the Diamondbacks Nine. as the ninth best rotation in the major leagues behind both the Giants and the Dodgers. So he has us third in the division. He has the Giants fifth, the Dodgers sixth, and the Diamondbacks ninth. So you've got Kershaw as your number one guy. Is Kazmir number two? They're overwhelmingly left-handed, which is great news for a team that's overwhelmingly right-handed offensively. Is Alex Wood the out guy in that uh, you can, group? Uh, well, they got Kershaw. You got Kazmir. You, you got, got Anderson. All three are lefties. Got my you got now. Ryu back, right. who's a lefty. And you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Alex Wood, lefty. Uh, you've got Battle and Mike Bolsinger. And uh, you beat they, the Diamondbacks. You beat the Diamondbacks. They signed Maeda. Who McCarthy will be coming back about mid-year. McCarthy will be back from Tommy John mid-season. So Kershaw, Kazmir, Anderson, Maeda, Ryu, Wood. I don't think that's better than Greinke, no. Miller, Corbin, De La Rosa, either. Ray. Combination of De La Rosa, Ray, Anderson, Godley, I, Bradley. I think the Diamondbacks rotation is much better. Yeah. I don't think, and I don't think it's close. We'll get Buster on later on, ask him yeah. what he saw. In. He had the Dodgers, as I said, sixth behind the Giants, who we had fifth. The Giants, you've got Mad Bum, Cueto, Samarja. That's a pretty good. That's one, pretty two, good three. trio. But I mean, what's what's going to go with Kane? It depends. You know, I'm curious to see what you get from Matt Kane this year. And then who's five? You got Peavy and Chris Heston, who looked really good against yeah. us this year or last year. Don't know hitter I'm against not, Mets. You know, Peavy. He's on the downside. That's fair to say. I'm not sure you can count on Kane to be Kane again. But I do like their. Ro- I like their rotation better than the Dodgers. No question. No question about it. Uh, let's give you the whole thing. Mets one, Indians two. This one I didn't get. Cardinals three. Yeah, there's too many questions there. Wainwright, Waka, Garcia, Leak, Carlos Martinez. That's a lot of question marks. Yeah. I don't. I'm not seeing that. Yeah. Cubs four. Arietta, Lester Lackey, Kyle Hendricks, Jason Hamill. Second series of the season, four-game series, Diamondbacks-Cubs. Yeah, you're going to get that maybe that Saturday game at Chase Field, Arietta, Grinke. The Cubs, to me, rotation is very top-heavy. Uh, yeah. They're four and five. Eh. Well, you can say that about the Diamondbacks, four and five, even though ra- Ruby won 14. I'd rather have Ruby and Robbie Ray than Kyle Hendricks and Jason Hamill. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Giants, five. Dodgers, six. Pirates, seven. Garrett Cole, Francisco Liriano, Jeff Locke. They got John Neese from the Mets. This is a good uh, pickup for them. And Ryan Vogelsong. How they've is been that? Able, they've been able to take uh, guys like uh, Yeah, they've done good with reclamation Nies. projects. Yeah. Yes, they have. And Jeff Locke has done a good job yeah. with them. But Neese is okay. He's a solid big yeah. league guy. But Ryan Vogelsong is your five, and that's a better rotation than mm. the D-backs? Not buying that either. Jeff Locke is your three? You want Jeff Locke over Patrick Corbin? See, I like the Diamondback front three really well. We're going to have to get Buster on next yeah. week and get get on him about this. <laughs> I feel that coming. Yeah. Nationals, eight. Scherzer, Strasburg, 
Gio Gonzalez, Tanner Roark, and Joe Ross, Tyson Ross's little brother, who's looked really good. Who you know, the, I had a guy. The story about Gio Gonzalez was uh, supposedly heading to the Diamondbacks for NCRD before the Miller deal came out. I had a guy who asked me about that, a guy who would know. And I said, well, I, don't know. I read that. It. That's been out there. It's yeah. been under the yeah. radar, but Gio Gonzalez of the Diamondbacks has been out there. I, I don't know. Well, they said it was for NCRD at one time. Yeah, so it's probably dead, yeah. right? Because well, they wanted a center fielder. Yeah. And they just got Ben Revere. Right. So that answers that question. Diamondbacks 9 and 10 was Tampa Bay, which I agree. I, Chris Archer I'll and Alex Chris Cobb. <laughs> Odorizzi looked good in spots yeah. last year. Then you got Drew Smiley, Matt Moore. Who's they bad. may not be through dealing yet either. Yeah, you're right. Tampa Bay. A lot of teams are going to come yeah. calling to get Chris Archer. It's been a busy offseason, and most of it has been pitching related. Well, uh, one of the guys who's uh, played an enormous role in that, of course, is the man who's, for the most part, in charge of the overall direction and vision of this franchise moving Leo? forward. Uh, Leo has played a role. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to downplay your role, Leo. A mere, a mere cog in the a, new look. Yes. But uh, the guy in charge of all of this here is uh, is the president and CEO, Derek Hall. He's our first guest. All right, friends, it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight is, uh, he's so good. Celebrities are here in profusion, one after another. Not only superstars, but really super people. My guest. My guest. Would you welcome him, please? Happy to be joined by the president and CEO, Derek Hall. Thanks for doing this. Uh, this is a time where you're really busy out there, uh, representing the organization, waving the flag, beating the drum. And people are really responding to what you've done here. They, they have responded very well, very positively. And, and, you know, we never really stop. I have a lot of people that ask me, and you guys know this too, same with you, but, oh, what do you do in the off season? We really don't have an off season. It's our season without games is what we call it. But we're actually busier now than we are during the season. Our hours are just longer in the season. But I, I, I like the, the amount of work that our baseball staff has put in. Uh, operationally, you know, the ballpark's going to look good, ready to go as good as ever on opening day. And uh, I, there's so much excitement, hope, and, and, and energy out there for this ball club. I'm really encouraged by it. And that's something we really hadn't seen a lot of the last few years. Now during football season, people are talking baseball. That's good to see again. It is good to see. And, and Greg, with the, the success of the Cardinals this year, I think that's good for us. I'm one of the you know believers that a, a high tide you know, rises all boats. And, and, and for me, when they're doing well, I hope everybody does. I'd love for the Suns to do well, the Coyotes, everyone. Uh, but I, I think it helps us all. It helps this market. There's so much passion for our, our sports teams, and, and I, I certainly hope that they end up in the Super Bowl and, and win the whole thing, and then who knows, maybe we can go on a run, but uh, we're not counting our chickens, you know that. Uh, fans always want to know what's next. It's hard to top what you've done already, but is there anything still uh, on the on the boiler here, simmering? Yeah, I mean, Steve, we're still looking. I mean, we always will, and, and for us, we're going to listen. We're going to make phone calls. We're going to see if we can improve our team. But going into this offseason, we looked at our franchise and, and at the team on the field, the 25-man roster for the most part, and thought, what are our needs? We ended up top three in offense. We were top one or two in defense all year. The glaring hole for us was starting pitching. And if you take some of that burden off of the bullpen, they're only going to be that much better and you know, to not be taxed as much. So we know the bullpen will, will benefit as well. So we went out there. Uh, you know, I think we shocked a lot of people and shocked ourselves and in signing Zach and, and then the big trade for, for Shelby. So we addressed that, 
but there are still more tweaks and pieces that we're, we're willing to look at. But we have a lot of depth right now, which we haven't had in a, in a number of years as well. But you look at the infield depth, the utility depth, even the catching depth and, be, and, and bullpen. I mean, we've got, we've got numbers right now, which have, I think are an advantage for us and allow us to, to take our time and see what's out there of anything. Before you go any further, you mentioned, Zach, how out of left field did that come even for you? Well, it did. You know, Ken and I, uh, Ken Kendrick and I had several conversations before we made that decision. You know, is there any way we can do this? And we kept saying, probably not. And then we, would, we were talking about other free agents that were out there. And we'd always come back and go, if we're really going to do this, Granky's the way to go. And so we would talk a little more. And, you know, we knew that that would be, uh, that would be the best move for us if it made sense financially. And on that Friday when we signed him, you know, Ken called me early in the morning and said, well, you know, I've thought a lot about what we've talked about. Are you sitting down? I say, we, let's go pursue them. And that was great news, you know, when you've got ownership that has signed off and allowed us to do so. And we were hard at work that day, and thank goodness, because I think we just barely slid in in time, and, and, and they were about to ring the bell for someone else. What's the reaction from some of your colleagues around the game when you make a move like that? Well, I what has it been? It's been, uh, for the most part, very positive. You know, I've heard from my colleagues saying, wow, way to go. Uh, one team in particular that was, that was bidding for him said, boy, we lost a lot of brain cells over this one and didn't expect you guys to jump in. Uh, so I think it was a little bit of shock and, 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 and you know, surprise, but uh, for the most part, very positive, which you, know, you look at this division. And it's a very competitive division. In my opinion, it's going to be the best division in baseball this upcoming season. Yeah. And we made the moves that we did, and it was such a big splash. And people are questioning, oh, what are the Dodgers doing? Giants really kept pace with us, and they go out and they get Zamarja, and then they go and they get Cueto, and they haven't stopped. The Dodgers now all of a sudden have 15 starters and, and, and haven't stopped. <laughs> 14 <laughs> lefties. Right. Yeah. But it, it's going to be extremely competitive, and, and you know we're not going to be the favorite to win, which is a good thing. Again, you know that's not why we did this. We don't we, we – didn't want to win the offseason, and that doesn't always win you games. And we haven't accomplished one goal. We haven't won one game since we made these moves. But I, I, I like the chemistry and the makeup of this team, and I felt like if we could just give them a, a jolt, you know, just give them some sort of boost here, and, and uh, look how excited our players are now with the moves that we've made. It's great for them. Yeah. And, and the thing of it is, you build upon last year, which was a big build from the year prior when, when the ball club struggled so mildly. But, you know, one year under chip, uh, you bring back Matt Williams. You hate losing a guy like Andy Green, especially under the division. But, you know, you've got these guys now are coming back. Goldie's a year older, a year better. Pollock, uh, Peralta. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a fun 162 ball games. I think so, too. And, and the thing about our team, we're very athletic. Uh, they do feel like a family. There's no egos on that team whatsoever, and there's no agendas. You know, it's just a great group of guys that enjoy playing the game and want to win. And, Greg, you mentioned the coaching staff, and I think the additions that we made this year are going to truly have impact. Chip already proved in one year what sort of manager he has. He is. He's going to have his players play the right way. They're going to run through a wall for him. He's done it at every level. That's who he is. And now you add Mike Butcher, who's got a proven track record, and guys that have worked with him, like Zach Granke, are thrilled that he's with us. This is a guy who can really teach. He can pick up. I mean, he is so good. What I've seen him do this offseason already with our pitchers, our current staff, and the tweaks that he's already made, the improvements that are already being made out there with guys that – you know, we're really on the bubble for us this year, are going to make an impact. And then you look at Magadan coming over. I, I'm just I'm thrilled with the direction that we've gone with our coaching staff as a well. ton of experience yeah. on that staff. It's Outstanding. Amazing. You said a moment ago, if we could figure out a way to give the existing players here a boost and a jolt and get things into the left lane and really move forward here. This is an, a theme that we've hit on before, Gub, mm -hmm. on this podcast. 
the idea that you have two of the premium talents in the league, if not all of Major League Baseball, in Paul Goldschmidt and A.J. Pollock. How critical is the idea, or how I, I guess I should say how much of a motivating force is it to put better players around them and take advantage of their window and try and win now? It was a factor for sure. It, it did. It played a big part because you, there is that window. These guys are in their prime right now. And, and you've got perennial all-stars, possibly MVPs, that are ready to win right now, and you've just got to give them the, the missing pieces. When you can take a starting staff like we've now done, and you take the guy that was our ace, clearly, just two seasons ago, and now he's your number three. You know, Maybe he becomes your number two because you want to mix it up right, left, right. You have options. But it has completely changed the dynamics of our, of our, of our rotation and of our team. We're going to be very competitive. You know, knock on wood, we stay healthy. You look at what happens when a team can stay healthy last year. The year before, and, and you know, Gub talked about it, we had a rough year, but luck was not on our side. Health was not on our side. We had bad breaks, you know, literally, a hand bro- hands broken. But now, you know, you look at one year later, and the team started to believe in themselves. They had a little more experience. You had a very young pitching staff that was starting to get better as the season went on. I, I really like where we're at. I like the progression of this team. I like the the confidence that they have, but it's a very subtle and humble confidence, and that's the way we're gonna we're gonna approach it. But it doesn't do much good to go to Paul Goldschmidt and say, "Hey, we've got some young guys. We think they're gonna be pretty good in three, four, five years." I, I agree, but he's the type of guy that would accept that. I yeah. mean, you know, we're lucky that we have a Paul Goldschmidt who would say, "Yeah, okay, we can still win." You know, we'll be okay. He was happy with the with the, the moves that we made before last year. And he's going to make the best of whatever we have. But I, you know, I can tell you, anytime we were about to make a move and I was able to text him and say, hey, we're about to sign Granky. You know, the feedback I got back from him was, wow, that's unbelievable. And a couple other players that I reached out to. It's fun. It's fun to be able to communicate with them and demonstrate you're committed. You want to win. You know, you got an ownership group that has never put a penny in their pocket. They've always put their, their revenues back on the field or in the facility itself or the fan experience. And now when you, you hear, okay, when does this TV contract kick in? And it's starting to. Mm-hmm. The benefit of that is for our fans because it's going right into the – we can see the projected revenues that are going to increase, so we know that we can afford a player like a Zach Granke, and we, we went for it. You knew you were going to take a hit when you made the Miller deal from the national yes. media uh, and what you gave up. Bert and I have talked about this before. But from a Diamondbacks perspective, what you got back in return, a kid who is three years, you've got him under control for three years yet, uh, you don't even take into account his record last year because he was a much right. better pitcher than all that. You didn't like have and give up in CR Day. Tomas has got to play. Obviously, Swanson, Blair, big pieces. But from the Diamondbacks perspective, what you got, I mean, pitching is what it's all about. We've seen that this winter. You got the guy you set out for you had to give up something, but you got the man. You have to give something to get something. We know that. It's it's uncomfortable. It's never going to be easy. And when you look at Shelby Miller and <clears throat> what he brings, this is a guy, power pitcher, who, you know, had. you're right, take away the record, but look at his ERA, look at his strikeouts, look at the – he was their all-star. He was their ace. You bring him over here, again, you move everybody else down. Uh, you know, and, and going into the offseason and any team that we talked to, including the the Braves, every team asked for A.J. Pollock. They all wanted A.J. Pollock or they wanted Patrick Corbin. So for us to be able to improve our squad the way we did, just like they were asking for Goldschmidt three years ago, and we said no, for us to be able to improve the squad and still have Patrick Corbin, Paul Goldschmidt, A.J. Pollock, Ruby De La Rosa, Robbie Ray, you still got your team intact 
and you were able to add, granted, you're digging down into the minors. That's never good to do. You're giving away another first-round draft pick. You don't like to do that. But you built the depth to be able to do yes. that. Amen. We have depth. Yeah. That's right. We have depth, and it's a bit of a lottery when it comes to prospects, as we all know. Um, and, and we're a team that is that is preached that we have to build from within. We have to draft properly, scout properly, develop from within. We're still committed to that. But when we knew that we had to get these big pieces filled and you've got one that's a major free agent, you got another one that you, that we know is available through trade, you're going to have to dig into that depth a little bit. And you couldn't have done that a couple of years ago. Could not. Not only did we not have the prospects, the cupboard was empty, uh, but we also weren't that close. We yeah. knew we were getting closer. And I think two years ago, if you asked our fans where we were, they would say, oh, they're somewhat rebuilding. Today, there's no question that it's not a rebuild. It was a redirect maybe a year ago. And they see now, hey, not only are we built to win right now, we're built to last. We want to sustain this. So we still have that young, talented pitching staff that's only going to get better. you got two guys that I just mentioned in De La Rosa and Ray that are going to probably hit, knock on wood, they stay healthy, 200 innings this year. They're going to be able to handle it. Yeah. And they're going to have another full year under their belt in the big leagues. And you always have a surprise during the spring. You know, so somebody, I mean, could even possibly knock one of those guys off. Yeah, you know, this offseason, the way we've seen Archie Bradley progress, and, and I mean, he is lights out so far this offseason, and working with Butcher and with our staff and with Fetters and, and, you know, knowing that we, again, have the depth with the middle infielders. We love that we have Ahmed. We love that we have CO. You got Aaron Hill. But now Drury's going to be knocking on the door a little bit. Whether he's going to make a mark for himself at second base or at third with Lamb in a competition there, he came out when we moved him down to the minors last year. He was our best player in spring training. Oh yeah, he killed the ball. There was an He's argument. Four fifty, and you, yeah, yeah, you send him down. Yep. I remember when he got hit in Scottsdale yeah. Stadium. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, he's a player. Right. We're going to have a lot of that. You talked about the process, not a rebuilding. Some people like to say rebooting, redirecting, whatever it is. But it, it's funny, Gub. If you go and look at the last two or three years, and you're always looking for a payoff at the end. But look at what. The front office here has done, Derek, in moving some of the money before. You can go down the list, Brandon McCarthy and Martin Prado and on and on and on. Guys, you, Arroyo and Parra. And Parra. And yeah. and it's a long list. It goes about a dozen deep of guys who were moved. Montero, $40 million off the books. Okay, they sold this guy yeah. off. They Montero turns money. into Zach Godley. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> think about that. Let's talk about depth. But the yeah. point being is that at the end of that year or two-year process, all that money that got moved, bang, you throw all your chips down in the middle of the table, I'll take Granky for 206 or whatever it is. I mean, there's that payoff there, and I think that really helps the fans buy in. Yeah, and there was a plan there too, Steve. I mean, it, it, this was the plan all along when, when we brought Tony in and – and when KT was still here, we all sat down, and the plan was let's move some of these larger price pieces that we're you know, collectively not winning with right now and so that we can create that freedom. We talked about it, flexibility and freedom. And we kept telling our fans, watch, we're going to spend it, we're going to utilize that, we're going to redirect it, and we have. So I, I think the plan did work, and you have to shift dollars, and, and it wasn't a matter of trying to cut payroll. It was yeah. a matter of reallocating those dollars towards a new direction that we think would be a winning one or a winning combination, and now we're at least closer. Again, we haven't won anything, but by all <laughs> you, you have to believe that we're going to be very competitive. But you, you, it's amazing because you move yeah. all that money, Gub, you hold almost all of the prospects, and suddenly two years later you're looking at a contender here for division title. Well, you know, the moves that you made, too, early on, getting Granky and then getting Miller, forced your other two teams in the division, the top two dogs, to go about their business in a little different different way. They, they have, and it, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses in our division, especially with those two teams, because they can afford to do so. Yeah. we got to be very careful. We can't make a mistake. And so if you're going to commit that kind of money on a free agent starter, 
you know, you look at Zach Granke and you say he probably fits the bill. He's shown that he's durable the way his delivery is. He seems like he's going to be okay and be able to maintain and sustain his health. Uh, again, knock on wood, we're very superstitious in this industry. Uh, but but the other teams can keep up with you. They're going to go out. They're going to they're going to see what you do. They're going to spend a little money to make sure that they can they can counter it. Um, we just have to make sure that we take care of our own business, that we stay healthy, that we play the game the right way as we did last year, and, and that we sustain a model that we hope is one of success. We haven't talked about him a lot, but what do you like about Magadan? Magadan's terrific. You know anybody that we talk to that has worked with him. Uh, he's a very hard worker. He, he, he teaches and preaches, hitting to all fields, back up the middle, which is very important to Tony as well, um, cutting down on the strikeouts. He's a contact guy, and he had a wonderful relationship with each of his players. And, and you know, they had – our guys had a really good relationship with Turner as well. So Turner leaves, and we think, boy, here's another, another void. Here's another hole. And within a week when we made the announcement and – uh, he reached out on his own, Dave did, to all of our players. And I, I, I know our position players had shared with me how great their conversations were, how excited they are to work with this guy. He's a winner. I mean, he was a successful hitter himself in the big leagues. He's able to teach it. He's able to relate and communicate with the players. And he brings a lot of energy to the dugout. Yeah, I think there's going to be a great emphasis on yeah. cutting down strikeouts this year. I think it's going to be a Two real priority. Approach, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it's important for us. Yeah, there were too many swings and misses right. yet. No, as put good the ball as the play, look was. what yeah. happens. Yeah. I think the Kansas City Royals told everybody yeah. that and showed everybody that. Yeah. <laughs> They're the model that everybody likes to follow in terms of offense and in terms of the bullpen. Yeah, Bert and I stood on the field at Chase Field the night you unveiled the new uniforms, and we said there are going to be 29 other teams in baseball who wish they would have gone this way. Because you got ahead of the – just like you got ahead of everybody else in extending the netting. Yes. To the dugouts in Major yeah. League Baseball. Yeah. And, and I think building this place, too, South yeah. River Fields. You know, we like to, to set the trends. We were a team in our position that could do this. I think it was time to take that next step forward fashion-wise. I'm not the fashion guru. I'm sitting here in a sweater vest talking to you. But when you, when you look at where we could take uniforms and what are popular, what's trending today, especially with kids, and we want to reach the youth, yeah. You look at college uh, athletics in particular, college football, uh, and what Oregon did. You look at the NBA taking steps now. We can do that. We don't have that 30-year history, 100-year history. Right. You know, We're one of the younger teams. We've had several different uniforms, several different colors. I wanted to blend the colors together, which we've been able to do. Um, and, and I think these patterns are great. But m- most importantly with the entire process, sitting down with the players and the coaches and having them be a part of it, what do they want to see? What do they like? What have they seen out there? And the enthusiasm we had from at any time we sat down across from the clubhouse in a private room, probably 10 players. Oh, I want this color. I like that. I love that design. I le-. Then we would have the jersey come in and privately open up the boxes and go, what do you like? Ooh, let's take that and tweak it here. No, the bronze doesn't really work. Let's go with the sand. It was a great process. And they put them on. They're proud because they were part of it. That's amazing, isn't yeah. it? It really is a process. And it some was of the process. combos really, really look great. sharp. You know, we yeah. looked at how can we get the old and the new, because you were nine years yeah. in the purple and teal, nine years in the Sedona red, and, and then we looked at purple and red. It just didn't work. And then we thought, what about that teal? Because in the All-Star game in 11, Major League Baseball came out with that light blue. That was a great accent color for the light blue sky with our red and our sand. Taking that turquoise, which was pretty close, and it's a, it's a color that pops. I think it worked out very well. I, they're going to be yeah. hot. The, yeah. the, the ones yeah. with the blue are, yeah. are hot. They're, yeah. they're not. They're not staying on the shelf. That's yeah. what I was going to ask you. What has been the reaction here? It's been uh, about a month, six weeks or yeah. so since it's been out. What What has been the reaction? Have you been able to chart that at all? 
it's been very positive. You know, you're going to hear some negative anytime change comes about, but I think it's been overwhelmingly positive, especially from, you know, 25-year-old down, which is, is something that we didn't expect this big, but it's been overwhelming. Uh, and, and the team shop will show you. There's just been a, a good flow of traffic in and out, and I go down every once in a while and ask them just for a gauge what's going on. We're still seeing the same trends. And you're right, the teal, both the road and the home, the bit with the teal and the red, they're not staying on the shelf. They just stay, they, they, as soon as they get them up, they're out. And I, I think it's showing that it's going to be uh, well-received by everybody. And what I can't wait to see is these team, our team on the road, these other team's fans, when they see us walk out there in that dark, bold gray the first time. They're sweet. Oh, they're great looking. Dad, can you give me a Dimebacks cap? Yeah, you know. who, who's yeah. that team? That's yeah. who I want to be a fan yeah. of. That's what we want. Yeah. You, you seem to have your hand in so many things with this organization. How do you... Keep track of it all. In all it, seriousness, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot, but I, I love it. You know, I wear a lot of hats, uh, whether it's a political hat or, or a corporate partner hat. Sit on a couch. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, on the couch with D. Hall, yeah. I've been on that show. <laughs> you, you both have. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun for me. I mean, we've got the most talented staff in baseball, and it's a family. I mean, we're all in this together, and, and uh, everybody picks me up when I'm down, or I try and pick them up. But I, I love wearing as many hats as I do. I love allowing people to do their jobs. You know, having Tony and Stu and Dijon here has been, been wonderful for me. We're all on the same page. We don't always agree, but but that's part of the process too. You know, you got to challenge each other. At the end of the day, when you walk out of the room, you're all on the same page, and that's both on the business side and on the baseball side. I couldn't be prouder of where we're where we're at now and where we're going. I've talked a lot about that yeah. coming from Bristol and then coming here. The, the difference in the atmosphere—it's culture. It, yep. it it is, and it's remarkable. It's culture. I care about the culture. I want it to be like family. I want everybody to love working here, and, and I want people to be here for life. I mean, you know, we're lucky to have Greg here, you know, for, for the years that we have. We don't want him going anywhere except into, into Cooperstown. Bert, having you come here now, like you said, you and I had those conversations about what it was like before, and that's Mike no Ferentz, knock on anyone else. Mike Ferentz going to be a nice acquisition Mike Ferentz going to be great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike, is he's a talent, uh, loved his show, and, and this is his dream. So if we can make dreams come true, and, you know, you guys will help him, and he'll help you, and how do you feel about fellow uh, ASU guy Leo over here? Well, Leo, he's a talent. You know, <laughs> I, I think we've noticed the last couple of years he hasn't been on the air as much. I don't know what that's done for ratings. I hear it's good, but I, you know, <laughs> Leo, have you been absent? No <laughs> I'm proud of Leo, though. My, yeah, he is my a request. request. <laughs> yeah. We got to have something. We we listen, weather we report, the something, fans. right, from Leo. <laughs> Well, well, we all do have a good time. We really do as an organization. What can you tell the fans about uh, coming out and checking out the Diamondbacks here at this facility, which is still the Taj Mahal of spring training? This is where it starts, obviously, and we're going to open up here in the middle of February. And and the reason why we built this is so fans could come out here and enjoy it and not have to pay any money to come out here and enjoy it and walk hand-in-hand and shoulder-in-shoulder with our players from field to field. So if you haven't been, I would say to our fans, to Salt River Field, you're really missing out. Come on out here and be a part of it where they – take time to interact and sign autographs and you can have the luxury and freedom of walking around liberty of walking from field to field yourself you can watch any any player that you want at any time this is as fan friendly and interactive as there is my my concept from years ago when i started with the dodgers at dodger town was just that and i've seen that too many teams have gone away from that that's what i wanted here uh, and our fan, our players have embraced it as well. And then we've got Fan Fest coming up. I think it's on the 20th, which you know when you see 25 to 30 thousand fans that are going to be out there, and our players love that as well and embrace that. It's an exciting time for us. There's hope. 
for the first time in, in quite a few years, you know, for this franchise. There's there's new uniforms and a new breath of fresh air, and it all starts out here at the best facility there is in, in spring training. You know, the one thing I think you guys will agree with me is the, the best thing that I've gotten so far out of this offseason was the quote, I watch these guys play. They're diving all over the field. They're making all these plays. They're hustling. They're they're playing the game the right way. Zach Greinke. I mean, that that kind of says it about the organization. He came out and said that during his press conference, and, and that's one of the reasons he came to Arizona. It, it blew us away, Greg, when we called him. And it, it well, first we were with his agent, and his agent got back and said, "Okay, he's definitely interested." He sounded like a general manager. Told us about every one of your players. And he wants to talk to you guys and tell him why he's interested in your franchise. I mean, that says a lot. Wow. Then we talked to him, and he said, you know, I sit. it may look like I'm off by myself during the game, but I'm really not. I'm a thinker. I'm a student. I used to stand in the other dugout, and I would watch every team that we're playing. I watch everything that's going on. He said, and I was always so impressed with the way you guys played so hard, ran every ball out. You took extra bases on us, not because of speed, but because of aggressiveness and because you played the game the right way. He said, when I noticed that all of a sudden your infield would shift over and you had Nick Ahmed at you know, alone on the left side. He's saying all this to us. You know, Nick Ahmed alone on the left side. This guy really studied us and said, you know, you guys are starting pitcher or two away from being as competitive as anybody, and I want to be the one to help you do that. Wow. Says it all. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be the other way around. You're still no trying to sell him. I didn't have to sell him. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. Derek, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate Steve, it. Greg, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Governor. 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 Now, the man who's seen it all. Now we got the ball, and this is a bat. The D-backs play-by-play voice since our very first game, and then some. Now look at, I say look at here. It's this week's edition of Hey Governor. Well, it has been a busy offseason for the Diamondbacks front office. First, the signing of right-hander Zach Greinke. That move shocked the baseball world, especially the Dodgers and the Giants, were seen as the only two teams in the running for the 19-game winner of a year ago, and arguably the best pitcher available on the open market. Then on December 9th, D-backs general manager Dave Stewart acquired right-hander Shelby Miller from the Atlanta Braves for the trio of Ender and Ciarte, Dansby Swanson, and Aaron Blair. More moves could be coming, but right now the 2016 starting pitching rotation is much improved with left-hander Patrick Corbin joining the two newcomers and leaving the remaining two spots open for a group including Ruby De La Rosa, Robbie Ray, Chase Anderson, Archie Bradley, and Zach Godley. One thing about the Diamondbacks over their 18-year history, they can surprise the baseball world with major transactions. Of course, the free agent signing of Randy Johnson prior to the 1999 season was and still is the best move ever made by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Back on July 26, 2000, after a game against the Cardinals in St. Louis, General Manager Joe Garagiola Jr. announced a deal with the Phillies with Kurt Schilling coming to the Diamondbacks, Travis Lee, Omar Dahl, Vicente Padilla, and Nelson Figueroa heading to Philadelphia. Of course, we all know what Schilling did in Arizona, teaming up with the big unit for a few years to form one of the most dominant duos in MLB history. On December 1st, 2003, Garagiola pulled off another blockbuster, acquiring power hitter Richie Sexton from Milwaukee for six players. Sexton got hurt early in his Diamondbacks career and then left for free agency in Seattle. Remember, the Diamondbacks traded both Schilling and Johnson and then reacquired Johnson a few years later. Then there was that blockbuster three-team trade in 2009 that sent Max Scherzer to Detroit 
The D-backs ended up getting Edwin Jackson from the Tigers, Ian Kennedy from the Yankees. Curtis Granderson was also involved in that deal. Of course, Kennedy won 21 games for Arizona in 2011. Scherzer's success includes a Cy Young and a couple of no-hitters with Washington last season. So what I'm saying is the Diamondbacks have not been afraid to pull the trigger on a major deal or spend some extra money to acquire a top-of-the-line free agent. Some moves have worked better than others, but for a team that needed to upgrade its starting pitching heading into 2016, the Diamondbacks appear to have done just that in a big-time way with a free agent in Granke and a young top-of-the-rotation controllable right-hander in Miller. As I mentioned, Johnson and Schilling go down as one of the best one-two combos to ever pitch in Major League Baseball history. But adding Granke and Miller to a healthy Corbin, this trio has the potential to be the best to ever grace a Diamondbacks trio starting rotation. Well, let me tell you something, brother. We're ready to smack you over the head with some serious analytics. Thermodynamics, hyper-mathematics. Like a wrestler with a folding chair. Lay it the smack it down. It's go time for Sabermetric Smackdown. All right, Sabermetric Smackdown this week, guys. Uh, you were looking uh, this morning a little zippy. You can, you can feel the excitement in the air. That's the gov applauding. Uh, another Sabermetric Smackdown segment. The Zips are out for 2016. Zips. Zips. It's a good local sports bar. Nice Zips. way to get a plug. You get some I'm, free buffalo I'm, wings I'm for I'm that I'm or something. Swing by and see if I can work something out. Zips. We'll as we, some to the TV booth. As we know, our computer-based projections of performances, they're run by Dan Zimborski, who's a terrific guy. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's got a computer, I guess, in his basement, and he runs all these numbers. <laughs> yeah, they're up on uh, the interweb at Baseball Think it makes Factory. Makes sound really legitimate. When you Fangraphs uh, runs all of them for all the teams, and you can check out the entire D-backs list at Fangraphs.com. Uh, the projections, just so you know, they are adjusted in the computer. They're based on expected 2016 performances. They factor in league averages, and they calculate it and all thing, and they put it all on the computer, and the computer spits out stat lines for the players for this year. So we'll take a look. Two of them, I, I thought, were actually semi-accurate. Others, I thought, missed. Let's start with Goldie. Uh, Zip's computer says that Goldie this year will hit 288 <laughs> with 27 home runs and 94 that's, RBIs. That's low. That's, Some, a, that's a big deal. I just don't yeah. see that, you know. I, I don't think That's he's a that lot for a guy who hits close to 330 all season. And yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, A.J. Pollock, I thought, was a little low as well, although maybe not if he's batting leadoff all year long. 293 for A.J., 13 home runs, 52 RBIs. The RBIs I get if he's the leadoff man. 293 is not bad. No, I'm mean, not saying you know, it's yeah. bad, no. Yeah, but, and it depends upon eh. what his on-base percentage is. But, I mean, you know, they, they don't take account runs scored. Uh, like you said, if he's in the leadoff spot, the RBIs yeah. might be a little bit lower, but maybe he scores 115, 120 runs. It's hard to do playing time and where they hit in the lineup yeah. and obviously injuries, all kinds of X factors that you can't really put in the computer. He is their one legitimate leadoff man right now. Yeah, unfortunately that's true but, after the Gensiarte yeah. trade. I, I, as you guys know, like A.J. in the middle of the order. For, for me, he's a good RBI guy. I think he could be a 90-100 RBI guy. Well, when Chip put him in that three spot late in the season, that was, I mean, those two, he and Goldie were lights out. Yeah, but I agree. I think he's going to have to hit leadoff at least for the time being. The reason I really put this in was to say this. You know, I, I've heard this a lot this offseason. I've read it a bunch of places. And everybody that writes about the Diamondbacks and expectations for this year says this. They say or write, well, certainly Paul Goldschmidt is due 
to tail off a little bit. There's no way that A.J. Pollock can continue the type of numbers he's been putting up. And I go, are you guys watching? Why not? Well, and it's one thing to tail off. Yeah. But that that's a little more than the tail off, especially for Goldie. Isn't that kind of the norm though? I mean, let's pick on the Diamondbacks across the it nation. Se- you know, I look, I don't want to make too big a deal of that, but I agree with you. It seems to be a narrative out there. And I don't mean it's it's huge, but I mean but, it, it's like if there's one team that they will take Yeah. you know, a free free range with, it seems to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. You never read or hear well, certainly Joey Votto is due to regress this year. Well, there's no way Mike Trout can keep these numbers up. Andrew McCutcheon, he's due for a, a poor season. He's due to drop off a little bit. You never hear or, or read those things, but you read them about the Diamondbacks, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I, and if you look at the lineups, I mean, it's, this Diamondback lineup is pretty good. I mean, now, Gold- granted, Ender's out of there, but uh, yeah. at the same time, Goldie is, uh, what, 28 years old? He's at the, the, the pinnacle of his career right now. He's been now. a runner-up for the MVP yeah, twice yeah. in three years. Yeah. Why is he? Look what he's done since he's come onto the scene <laughs> in August of 2011 up until it's now. It's remarkable. Yeah. But why would you expect that he would be due for a regression, or A.J. Pollock for that? And, and is, this, is this just mathematical? Is is this what is this what they're saying? It's all mathematical. That, well, the, uh, the computer spit out the numbers, yeah. but the narrative is there, man. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I've read it and, and heard it a bunch of places. I just think it's a national thing that uh, you know when it's time to take a look at somebody and, and not t- necessarily taking a shot at somebody, but when they think a team is not going to perform up to expectations or they didn't make the right trade, it's always the diebacks are. There's are a little bit of a prejudice out there. I think. Uh, based on some of the trades. Nobody liked the Tukey-Toussaint deal from a national perspective. That's fine. Um, But, yeah, I don't don't get it. I I think, you know what it really comes down to? People that write and read and say these things, they haven't watched a lot of the Diamondbacks play. No. I I really think that's it. Well, you know, they they don't get many national games. Although, nowadays, you know, you can throw that out the window because they're available to be watched. There's a little East Coast bias in there, though, I think. Well, yeah, they're, they're... these people that are making these decisions, they're, you know, they're, they're a, all the games are available to them and to watch, and to, they just probably choose not to, and, you know, because of the late starts yeah, and all you that got, stuff. You know, however many games. But every now, night to keep track with of. with Zach Greinke joining the, the likes of Goldsmith and Pollock, and add a, a Shelby Miller, you get Patrick Corbin back uh, healthy for a f- you know a full season, coming off that All Star performance, then got hurt. Uh, they've even attracted a national Sunday night game this yeah, year. Yeah, you got one of those. So, yeah, yes, you know, that that to me is telling me that, yeah. hey, you know, there's going to be a little bit more it, interest still, in the defense. It does still seem, though, that they're, that nationally they're slow to buy into oh, what they've done. I agree with you 100%. And so what the team's okay. about. And that's fair. Lost 98 games yeah. two years ago, so that's not unfair. But I think that and they didn't will, even finish 500 last year. Right. But yeah. I think that is going to change. Yeah. But I thought the zips were interesting. Two of the guys offensively, and again, you can check out the entire list at Fangraphs.com, but uh, I thought Peralta's numbers, according to Dan's uh, computer, were not too off. 293 for David Peralta, 16 home runs, 78 RBIs. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll get more RBIs than that. I, I don't necessarily look at the home runs as a, a necessity with him, but if he hits anywhere from 290 to 310, I'll be happy with that. He's a critical bat because yep. right now this team is very right-handed. They're right-hand heavy. He so David Lamb. Peralta is a critical bat. Uh, Yasmani Tomas, who is now the everyday corner outfielder, uh, maybe in left field. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Yasmani Tomas, again, this is just a computer projection, 264, 17 home runs, 59 RBIs. I think the RBIs will 
be a little north of I that. I could almost maybe even live with 264, but if he's got 17 to 20 home runs, 17 to 22 home runs, and anywhere from 60 to to not 60, he's, he needs more runs bad in than that. If he's anywhere in the neighborhood of 70, 75 to 80, 85 runs bad, and I'll be happy with that. First if, full season. Well, last year was kind of a full season for him. If he plays the way he did in the first half of the mm-hmm. season last year, he'll have a very good year. But we talk about a drop-off. We certainly saw a drop-off. Well, we know he's out here working. We've seen him. He just walked by our booth here about 10 minutes ago Mm -hmm. batting. And it's cold out there. We're here on January whatever it is, 12th or 12th. 12th. And, you know, it's chilly out there. It's nice and sunny, but it's cool and breezy. But Yasmani's in there with his wool cap on uh, in the cage outside hitting. So that's good to see. Yep. Some of the Zips pitchers, they don't do wins or losses. Too hard to factor into the computer. But uh, Zach Greinke, 190 innings, which I thought was a, a tick low. Uh, 174 strikeouts in ERA of 278. Yeah. That's still a good ERA, <laughs> which sure. is Not up a run he... <laughs> from a year ago. Was it 1.69 last year? Unbelievable. Huh? Yeah. And uh, Shelby Miller, 185 innings, 156 strikeouts, a 365 ERA. And again, you can see the whole list at Fangraphs.com. So just thought Question. I'd take a look at that. Why yes, is it, why is it too hard to figure in wins and losses when they can figure in everything with the with the hitters? Uh, because it's. Uh, who hey, knows? A guy well. could pitch. A guy could pitch well. Nobody hits. How do you factor that yeah. in? How do you factor in a lack of offensive support uh, into the computer to project right. how a pitcher is going to do? That's basically yeah. why. So just to keep it, I guess, more fair, they do it that way. The other thing I saw that came out actually this morning at the Fangraphs website, which is always a great website. Uh, I, this was a big one, and I, it ties into what we talked about uh, with you know some of the competition around the infield. Who's going to play second base? Maybe Tommy Kendrick. We mentioned that earlier in the show. Um, this from Fangrass, it took a look at which players last year showed the most improvement at laying off pitches outside of the strike zone. All major league players, they looked at the top ten after the All-Star break, who had the most improvement first half to second half in strike zone discipline, something they call O-swing percentage. You're talking about Diamondbacks? Yeah. No, no. This oh. is all of Major oh, League okay. Baseball. O-swing percentage, Leo. That's I hear you one. chuckling. Yeah. That's, it, that's it, it is how me. often. It's actually really simple. How often does a guy swing at a pitch that's outside the strike zone? That's where you get what the What determines the strike zone? O-swing o. percentage. It's on Because when he swings, it's a strike. <laughs> no. It's on the, the, the Quest Tech thing, whatever they use. You know how it's all yeah. electronic. Okay. If the, I mean, they can determine absolutely if a pitch was inside or outside the strike zone. Okay, right. give us a hint. What uh, what division? What division? What are you talking? You've given you no. Some this names? is no, no, no. I'm, they, they they put out a list. Okay, yeah. the top ten players in all of Major League Baseball last year who had the biggest improvement at laying off pitches that were outside of the strike zone first half to second half, and the one that jumped out at me on this list, guys were guys like. Jose Abreu, Yadier Molina, Mike Trout, Jason Hayward, Ian Desmond, all on this list. Another guy that was on the list, top ten, Chris Owings. That was going to be my guess, actually. And and I I saw that. I said, wow, because C.O., who went through, Mm -hmm. nobody had a tougher time last year than C.O. in terms of obstacles he had to overcome with the injury, the rehab, the layoff, the new batting stance, the grip. He went through a lot. In some ways, he really didn't stand a chance last year. He had so much to overcome. But – his big thing in the first half was swinging at pitches outside the strike zone and pitch recognition, and he improved his O swing percentage from 41% in the first half. Wow, that's high. I mean, 41%, yeah, Leo. It is high. 
swinging at pitches that aren't strikes. It's hard to succeed that way. What did he get it down to? He cut that down in the second half to 34.6%, which put him one, two, three, four, five, sixth best in the major who, leagues. Who was the best? Evan Gaddis hmm. was the best. Wow. He cut it down 13%. Yunel Escobar, Nick Castellanos, Desmond, Chu, Abreu, Molina, Trout, Hayward. Owings was a sixth on that list, which I thought was a great sign for 2016. See, because if almost, C.O. has yeah. the plate discipline go, right. he'll be the hitter we saw two years Always ago. Always a gap to gap. That's what I was going to yeah. say. If you take his first year, his rookie season, what he did before he got hurt, and if you would have taken the second half of last year, you'd have had a heck of a season for the guy. All he did was belt line drives yeah. into the gaps and down the lines. Right. Yeah, it was, it was the MVP in the Coast mm -hmm. League. So I thought that was a great, great uh, number looking ahead to 2016 for Chris. Who, who's number one overall with uh, the O-swing percentage? Now, why are you being snarky about O-swing percentage? Well, because uh, it, you can you – That can, wasn't snarky. That was legitimate You can question. measure it definitively with the Quest Tech computer, whatever they okay, call it no, now. But who, like in, in – I don't have the list in front of me, oh, but okay. I, I didn't want to bore you down with uh, – bog you down with uh, too many numbers. But – this was just the guys who improved the most over the second half of the year. Not, not intended to be snarky. <sighs> Always good to have uh, you guys on Sabermetrics Smackdown. No, I bet you Yasmani probably would have went the other way over the second half. I don't doubt it, yeah. yeah. He, that, that was a big issue with him. Uh, but that's a big thing. I mean, we talk about discipline. that all the time. Yeah, yep. swinging the pitches out of the strike zone. And, uh, you know, Goldie always talks about that, and, and you see it in his at-bats. He rarely swings at a pitch that isn't there at the plate. Now, when he got into that mini slump, he, when he, he, he started swinging at some pitches out of the strike zone, it, which he rarely ever did. And, Leo, that's a great example of why O-swing percentage is important because you said it, Gub. When he starts chasing pitches, even a guy like Goldie, yeah. mm -hmm. that's when the slumps start. Right, right. And you can see it. I yeah. mean, it's easy to see. And he knew it. And he was, yeah. you know, he's trying to adjust to it. Felt like this was getting a little personal. You're, you're kind of taking well, shots. Well, I out. gave, I, you know, the zips, you guys can have some fun with that. That's fine. But I yeah. thought the O-swing percentage don't mess was with the fairly o -swing. legit. Don't mess the don't. <laughs> I, It was very interesting. And actually, as you start saying it, I, I would pick Chris Owens. Yeah. We're, okay. All right, good to have you back on Sabermetric Smackdown. <laughs> May I be so bold as to interrupt your little late night with Larry King live. What an evening, Mike. It's so good to see you. I didn't know you were still on. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome one of the magnificent figures? A true renaissance man. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. Let's talk about current events, whatever you want. Okay, I call. And now with that aside, I will sit down. As we mentioned, fantasy camp, uh, it's every guy's fantasy to play with Robbie Hammock, isn't it? <laughs> That's debatable. <laughs> Former Diamondback great, Mobile Bay Bear skipper is with us here on D-Backs Podcast. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. This is day play four, Robbie Hammock now. Yeah, this is day two of fantasy camp. Uh, and you we grabbed you on your lunch break here. Just had the morning session. You got an afternoon session coming up. How's it going so far? And, and nobody's collapsed yet, have they? Uh, you know what, we, we, we've had one guy that I actually drafted on my team. He actually didn't even make it. It's good scouting. Because he, yeah, we took a chance and it backfired on us, <laughs> but, uh, I guess he got an MRI yesterday. Oh, he didn't even quite bad. make it in. And then we got a guy sick or, yeah. uh, our very own, uh, Steve Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert is sick? sick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you, we won't live that one. But down. that's questionable. That's we're not sure uh, if he's sick or he was playing hooky yesterday from practice because he wanted to go to the championship game. So we're still trying to figure that out. Oh, well, he's not here today. Uh, we think he's uh, 
we think that he is uh, trying to justify it by not being here today saying he's actually sick. So we, we don't know quite yet, but I drafted him anyway with the fear of him not being able to play. But I uh, was hoping he'd be ready by the bye week this week, whenever we decide that is. It's a cover-up. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing with Gilbert is a scam. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the uh, – let's talk big picture here with the D-backs. What do you think about the direction of where things are going here? Because people around here are really excited. Uh, I, I love it. Um, the moves, the signings, uh, phenomenal. And uh, just the overall approach that, uh, you know, we're, we're taking next year just from, uh, you know, things sent out in the organization, just uh, the type, the style of play, uh, you know, and a lot of it started last year with Chip Hale. And, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I, it's, I feel kind of selfish about because it's something that, you know, I've – thought for a long time especially the way the game has changed over the past uh you know decade uh with the the home runs going down and the pitching being better it's just it has to be you know things have to shift their focus and uh you know that's type of player I was uh you know with wasn't a home run hitter I didn't like striking out and uh you know let's let's be smart base runners and play great defense and have good pitching and uh, just keep the line moving. And I know that's the way our organization's headed with that style of play, and we got the right guys in place for it. You're liking this managing thing, aren't you? <laughs> I do. I, I mean, it's either that or, you know, stand on the sidewalk and beg for change. I don't, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> you had a successful run at, uh, at Mobile uh, your first season there. You've got a new coaching staff with you this year. I do. Um, new pitching coach. Uh, with me, he's been in the organization right. for a while, Doug Drabeck, former Cy Young Award winner. Uh, he brings a lot to the table, a guy I get along with really well. I'm excited to work with him. My hitting coach is returning, Jason Camilli. I've been with him. the past, This will be the third year in a row, and I have a good relationship with him. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's a really good uh, compliment to the way I am. And then also we've uh, hired a couple of extra coaches. Uh, each each uh, full-season team is getting a fourth coach, and uh, my fourth coach will be Mike Lansing, uh, former big league uh, yeah. player, veteran. Uh, I'm sure brings a lot to the table. I've talked to him. He's, you know, he's excited. Um, and his style of play, too, is the type of, you know, the type of guy that I, I – you know, I, I admired and, uh, and also I will have a fifth, uh, coaching staff member. Well, as this it's set like up a right, football team, yeah, it is going to have 13 yeah. assistants. <laughs> it is. So I, I I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, uh, Eddie or Pesa, oh, we brought him on to, if, you know, I end up with Juan Lopez again, uh, the Cuban pitcher mm-hmm. that we signed last year. Um, he, he will be kind of his, uh, translator slash, you know, Ariel Prieto. Yeah. Well, you know, that exactly. says a lot about the commitment to development here from the, in the organization, doesn't it? It No, of course. It really does. I, You know, when you add another coach, it's, you know, it's very, very helpful. It it, it helps you on a daily routine, guys, uh, lets them max out their practice and pregame rituals and things like that. It's uh, it's it's actually a huge help. Little uh, little trivia on Mike Lansing. He probably hit for the quickest uh, cycle in the history of baseball, he did against the Diamondbacks. I think they scored 19 runs against him. I think he hit for the cycle in like four or five innings. Were you playing with us? No, that's, that's incredible. It was early on. Remember that, Leo? Yeah, he hit for the cycle like in about four or five innings when he was Oof. playing with uh, Colorado. That's awesome. 
nobody can give a better scouting report on some of the young guys than you. You're in charge of them at, at Mobile. I guess you guess, ask this question all the time. Who do you like? Who did you like uh, last season? Um, man, we uh, shoot. We had a bunch of guys. Uh, uh, you know, Brandon Drury was a guy. I had him the year before in Visalia. Impressive player. Um, you know, he's got he's got the tools and the and the ability to be an impact big league player. Uh, great kid. Um, you know, we Aaron Blair. I know he's gone. Uh, uh, Braden Shipley. Braden Shipley had a tremendous second half last year he really did have sort of a schizophrenic year didn't he <laughs> to say the least yeah that's he uh so he what was, do you attribute that <laughs> tough first half really good second half. you know talking to him and, and i talked to him yesterday actually about it and he you know he he talked about uh you know coming into big league camp uh, his first camp and a little overwhelmed and then um you know he kind of went into the season maybe trying a little too hard uh, and, and then by the time second half rolled around, it's like he relaxed and, you know, just instead of trying to be – sometimes, you, you know, you get in big league camp and you, and you read stuff about what's being said about you and, and you, you have so many reports and you have family members back home saying, hey, did you see this? Did you read that? And I think, you know, things kind of spun out in his head. And by the time the second half rolled around, he just relaxed and became who he was, and, and it was fun to watch. He, he – uh, he dominated that league, dominated. And if he's able to carry that going into the beginning of the season, uh, I think he'll be in the big leagues before you know it. Tell us what Yoan Lopez went through this year. A lot of adjustments. <sighs> you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to relate because you know you come from a uh, a situation like he came from. You know, you, you don't know the background story, you don't know the family life, but I, I can guarantee it wasn't as traditional as you know things that we might go through. Uh, you know, growing up in the United States, and and all of a sudden at 22 years old, you're offered a, a a lot of money, and and the money that it means to him is you know more than his, his money there is is way more or way less here. So different it, scale. It's yeah. a totally different scale, and then you're putting him off on his own mm-hmm. in a totally different country where he doesn't speak the language. I mean, it it just. Last year was a, a an adjustment year for him, and that's I, why Rapace will come into play this it, year. Yeah. It's going to be huge, and I think that uh, I think he's a good kid. He just had a lot of learning experiences, and and I think that he's I, I think that he's a pretty good pitcher too. Um, you know, I th- I think he's going to be pretty good, and and it's remains to be seen, but there's definitely potential there, and I think he'll be a big part of that team. I think it's great seeing this guy back in the organization. You know, he's been with us for a few years now, and uh, uh, you had a lot to do with uh, the early part of the organization, the franchise. Uh, caught Randy's perfect game, and Randy to this day still laughs at you jumping up and down, uh, going out and catching that final strike uh, that, that ended it against Eddie Perez. But, uh, you know, and, and the Diamondbacks have done a really good job of bringing guys back into the organization. This fantasy camp, uh, you know, it just kind of leads to it all. It, it's a chance for a lot of guys who maybe haven't seen each other for a while get back into the toe thing and uh, say, hi, how's it been going? Man, it's it's a blast. I, I mean, sitting in that room, just – and it, it's not – you know, even, you know, we have our fun and joke around, but, I, you know, I'm still younger than the, a lot of the guys here, and I'm still a rookie to this as well, and it's fun just sitting around listening. The, the conversations go on in that coach's room, you know, uh, about everything. I mean, serious baseball talk that, that you, you know, I'm just like, 
my jaws open the whole time like wow this is incredible just to hear their thoughts and views on every part of the game and you know things that happen off the field that you know that are hilarious stories and and you know family life everything gets covered back and there. the campers are here you're here right now in full dress purple and teal pinstripe uniform and this is this is no joke this is the real deal yeah. it's a real deal the real unis we wore names on the back numbers uh you know all the all the matching colors the the legitimate hats everything man it's it, you're going out there on the field and they're grinding it out for five straight days it's 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 fun. Something to mark down on the calendar. Get yep. involved with next year. D-backs fantasy camp here at Salt River. Robbie, thanks so much. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You bet. That does it for this edition of D-backs podcast, the first show in 2016. Our thanks to Derek Hall and Robbie Hammock. And Good uh, guest. Thank you. Thanks to you guys for coming out here. We're, we're, we're back in you. business here. Back and back and feels good to be out here, doesn't it? Because you know it's getting close. It's getting close. Uh, spring training. Season ticket plans and individual spring training tickets are both on sale right now. You can do D-backs ticket office at Chase Field. You can go to dbacks.com slash tickets or call 888-490-0383. So get on and uh, get on the board and come on out and join us here at Salt River Fields. D-backs podcast brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman, by Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Anxious Paints, and Matzas by Strites. For the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor, Greg Schulte. Hoo-ha. And the Kingslayer, Leo, Bad News, Gil Martin. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Berthune. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll talk to you again soon from Salt River Field to Talking Stick. So long, everybody. This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast. The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.